Welcome to that Super Fan Talk Podcast, only on the Infinite Potato Alliance. And welcome to that super fan talk podcast. My name is Sean Ray, and this is the only podcast that does not underestimate the magical powers of Jimmy Woo. <laughs> Joining me tonight on the podcast is Scott. How's it going, sir? I'm in a new space, and it feels really weird. <laughs> All moved in, everything unpacked. Oh, no, certainly not. No. Not at all. I've only been here a week. What kind of a maniac are you? you think that no. I would have been unpacked in a week? I, but I, I at least got all the Star Trek figures up on the shelf. I've been living in this apartment for t- two years, and I still have stuff in, that I have never unpacked. <laughs> so, But it and part of that is because we moved from a bigger space to a smaller space, and some of that stuff, I don't have anywhere to put it. So, <laughs> Yeah, that, that'll do it. I did yeah. the opposite. I moved from a one-bedroom into a, a two-bedroom with a full basement. So now I've yeah. got empty walls and halves of rooms. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this space? <laughs> so tonight is going to pretty much be a WandaVision post-mortem. We may talk about a couple other things, but... Uh, we have talked about WandaVision on the show a couple of times, and I was on an episode of Starbase 66 back around episode 5 or 6, And mm-hmm. um, but as we're recording this, the final episode of WandaVision was on Disney Plus last night, and I won't release this episode for about a week, because I want to give everybody a, an opportunity to see the show and everything before I release it, because it's going to be spoiler-filled. If you haven't seen all of WandaVision, then you're going to learn things in this episode that you might not want to hear yet. So, um, right. so it'll come out, uh, as you're listening to this, it, one division has been out for about a week now. So, um, so let's go, I would say, well, let's go around the table. <laughs> it's just you and me. But, uh, before we do talk about that, um, I watched another movie last night that has been getting some, um, I don't know. I wouldn't say notoriety. It's been, it's been talked about for a while, but it's coming to America. With the number two. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. And, yep, yep. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the original Coming to America, right? Uh, back when it was considered new. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I watched it last night. It's on Amazon Prime. And it wasn't bad. I mean, it, I, I, the same thing that you always say whenever a sequel comes out, it's not as good as the first one. Which, it's not as good yeah. as the first one. Especially when you have 30 years between the two movies. Um, everybody behind the camera is completely different. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, this one I liked, but it's called coming to America and very little of the film takes place in America. Most of it takes place in Africa. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's only a couple of scenes one at the beginning and one towards the end where they're actually in America. And, um, but other than that, it was pretty good. I mean, Eddie Murphy's up to his old tricks, putting on all the costumes, playing all these different characters and stuff. Arsenio yeah. Hall. Arsenio Hall doesn't look like he's aged one day. 
<laughs> since <laughs> the original movie. Yeah. Um, uh, now the the original coming to America, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, uh, one of the one of the first, if not the first, uh, movies where Eddie Murphy started pulling that multiple character uh, gig of you know playing a whole bunch of different people in various scenes in in one movie. Yeah. Um, and obviously that got carried to a ridiculous length in some of his later movies, but yeah. this is him being able to go back and, and revisit uh, that now common trick, but in one of the, one of its earlier forms. And based on the trailer, it looked like uh, those scenes were going to be funny. I, I enjoyed the scenes I saw from the trailer. Um, and also based on the trailer, I did get the feeling. And since you saw the movie and I didn't, you might be able to tell me whether or not I'm right. But I got the sense that they might have done better calling this movie coming from America. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Um, I did. I, I was joking with my wife. We were watching it and there's a scene where they, when they're back, they're back in New York and they go back to the same barber shop that, yep. the, uh, that in the first one and where Eddie, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall play just about all the characters in that, in that, uh, scene. And they're all, there's like an old Jewish guy and there's, uh, um, the, the barber is Eddie Murphy all made up with, uh, wrinkles and white hair and stuff. I told my wife, is that, are we supposed to believe that those old guys are still alive 30 years later and they still look exactly the same? (laughs) Yeah. Um, everyone else in the world aged except for those guys. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I do, I mean, I recommend it's on Amazon prime. So if you've got Amazon prime, it's not going to cost you any money at all. Which is probably the only good thing to come out of the pandemic is that we're able to see new movies on uh, places like Amazon Prime and Disney Plus and stuff like that. So streaming directly to home. Which right. If I'll be honest, if that's something that that stays permanent uh, post pandemic, I am okay with that. Yeah, because yeah. I was I was definitely getting tired of the the whole going to the theater with other people uh, nonsense over the past couple of years. If I wanted to see an MCU film uh, without having to wait for it to come out on Blu-ray and I have to go to the theater and trying to figure out, trying to find that sweet spot in seeing it early enough. So it's not, so spoilers aren't just forced on you through the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but not going so early that every showing is packed, knowing exactly what day to go where the crowds are low enough and what time of day to go. So what crowds are going to be there are going to be, you know, the people like you, the folks who say, you know, night shifters who are of the right age that they're not going to be disrespectful in the theater. Right. It's, it's a game of logic to try to make that work. And sometimes it doesn't always work out. Like when we went to go see Deadpool and there was a guy two rows behind us who had his three kids, the oldest of which had be no more than 12. Wow. Going to see Deadpool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have found that a lot, I mean, most movies open on, well, these days, most movies open on Thursday, but, um, officially the opening day is usually Friday. I have found that if I go, like right after work, go to like the four o'clock show on opening day. It's usually not crowded. Hmm. Uh, usually the crowds come in for the night show, the seven o'clock show, the nine o'clock show, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, I would usually end up waiting until Monday 
and I would, you know, being a night shifter, I could grab the first available showing on a Monday. It's usually not that bad. Yeah. Um, now, we went to see, uh, in, when Endgame came out, we went to see it on a Saturday morning at 9 a.m. and it was sold out. <laughs> yep. I would yeah. think so. It, I saw, I saw The Force Awakens on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Opening weekend. Yeah. That was, that was rough. Every, every show was, it didn't matter what time. Uh, some of the bigger cities like New York, Chicago, they were showing, they had shows around the clock. I mean, two o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning, you could go see The Force Awakens or Endgame right. or or whatever, and it would probably be may may not be sold out, but it's going to be full. Now, but before we jump into the show, you you mentioned uh, watching Coming to America, <clears throat> so something that I've been jumping into. I'll I'll shoot a mention of this out real quick. Um, and unfortunately, my brother is not watching this stream, and he's not going to be listening to this episode at least for a while because he's only two episodes into WandaVision. So right. <laughs> he'll get to this eventually. But I do have to give him credit for this because I have spent the last couple of days listening to, as far as I can tell, the audiobook is an audible.com uh, exclusive. Um, and I don't know which um, publisher does the, the the print version of this, but uh, for anyone out there who's who has never heard of the Bobaverse, so far it's a trilogy of books. The first book in the series is "We Are Legion, We Are Bob." I have uh, heard of that. I've heard of it. I've never listened to any. I read you, any. You've of heard it. of it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the second book is for "We Are Many," and then the third book in the series, "All These Worlds." Um, the very short, uh, you know, dust jacket version, uh, you know, the, the elevator pitch, um, a man in our, uh, present day, you know, more or less, um, after becoming independently wealthy, he contracts with a company to have his head frozen upon his death, uh, for revival when technology advances to the point where a, uh, his body can be healed or a new body can be constructed. Uh, a classic sci-fi trope. Right. Unfortunately, he is hit by a car the next day. <laughs> uh, he is revived over a hundred years later. Um, the company that he had contracted with, uh, is now under new ownership. And instead of being given a new body, uh, his entire consciousness is, uh, converted to an AI. Uh, uh-huh which is placed on a probe designed to be sent out into space uh, to <clears throat> seek out uh, other habitable worlds and to build new probes based on himself. It Essentially, he is made into a self-replicating uh, AI probe. And most of the book follows him as he goes out into space and he is making new new versions of himself going out and following uh, different missions that he has given himself. It takes a minute, um, especially considering this is a single reader audiobook. This is not a full cast audio. Yeah. yeah. So it's one reader uh, reading a book that follows multiple characters, but all those multiple characters are essentially the same guy Yeah. <laughs> with the same voice. It it takes a minute to get used to how the book is written, how the the narration goes. But once you get the hang of it, it's it's really an interesting read. Um, 
with the number of branching stories that it has and the amount of thought that the author has put into various aspects of what would happen, things that you, you wouldn't think of on your own. If you put yourself in that position, he thinks of what you would have missed and you say, Oh, well that sounds obvious. Now that you mention it. Um, and I'm about a half hour away from the end of book one. And considering that the audio book, uh, is an audible exclusive and audible is owned by Amazon. I'm surprised that Amazon Prime is not uh, moving forward to try to turn this into a TV series. I think it could work really well. Yeah. Um, uh, lots of opportunities for different branching storylines in different settings. They could play around with time frames because of uh, relativistic speeds. Since the main character is an AI, he can uh, alter how he perceives time. He can make it move fast or slow, uh, as far as he can tell. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and his different copies do develop their own person, their own different personalities from each other. Um, so lots of opportunities for one really good performer to show these different characters. Um, it, it really could do well as a, as a TV series. I think, uh, if they ever decide to do that, then I, I would absolutely watch. Sounds uh, like a great opportunity for, um, sci-fi channel and Alan Tudyk. <laughs> Wow. You, you haven't even read the book and that might just be perfect casting right there. <laughs> that would be, book, but it, it sounds, it sounds that like would something be he could do good. playing all these different characters that are the same guy. Yeah. Hey, Tom, what do you think? Uh, we need to start a petition to get resident alien canceled and get this started. <laughs> I can do both. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you watched Superman and Lois yet? Uh, the pilot, if they, if episode two is out, I haven't watched it yet, but yeah, I watched episode, the episode two came out this, this week. Okay. And by the time this comes out, there'll be a third one. But, hmm. uh, what'd you think of the pilot? Um, I enjoyed it. Um, it, it does what most of the CW pilots do, which is they sink a lot of money, a lot of production value, a lot of time and care into the pilot. So now we have to see how the rest of the season goes and if they get renewed, how the rest of the series goes. Because as with most of these CW DC shows, they start out looking great. They start out with a lot of wonderful detail, um, a lot of uh, depth and texture in, in not only the the story, but the, the visuals, the, the cinematography and how things are photographed. Fast forward to get to season three, and that's when they said, you know what, that's really hard work. We can do this faster if we, you know, make it cheap. Yeah. So the sets become cheap. Everything starts looking way more plastic than it did in the first season. Uh, they, they skip over the, if you see them do a thing once in an early episode, then the, the, the writers and the, and the producers and the, and the crew will think, Oh, they saw it. The, the viewers saw it happen once. So we'll just assume that they're okay with it happening, you know, immediately every time. What what used to be an obstacle in season one mm-hmm. uh, of Arrow, for example, uh, by season four, that's just something that they do in the thirty seconds between seeing that there's a problem and then arriving on scene. Um, they they skip over the 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 small steps that they need to take so they can get to the bigger stuff. Uh, makes everything seem rush and it it loses some dare I say realism when they do that, but. This pilot for uh, 
Superman and Lois, I thought was, was pretty promising. Um, a storyline with twin Kent boys, uh, Superman and Lois all living in Smallville and him still being Superman. I've never heard of a story like this happening before. Uh, I've been out of the comics for a while, so maybe they're, maybe they're pulling something from comics that I'm just not familiar with. But, um, to, to me, it's new and it's an interesting take. I'll, I'll be interested to see, uh, what they do with this. And, uh, considering the fact that it's going to be based in Smallville, I'm wondering how much material and reference they're going to be pulling from the, the Smallville series. And using it in in this one to show some connective tissue. Watch this. I want to show you something. Since you mentioned that. Yep, I saw this couple. Oh, you did see this? (laughs) Yeah. If you're listening on the, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, somebody has taken visuals from the uh, pilot. And they've made it look like it's a sequel series to Smallville, and they're using the Smallville theme. And it actually looks pretty good. <laughs> if I saw this, mm-hmm. I, I was like, watch this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, it, it's a nice homage uh, opening credit sequence with the, uh, the way in which they bring up the faces and the names. Uh, and of course, I, I'll admit, I'm kind of glad that you didn't add audio to it, because... I watched all 10 seasons of Smallville. I've heard, um, I've heard Remy Zero's Somebody Save Me plenty. Oh, did the audio not play? I tried to play the audio. Oh, well, if you're listening well, to the podcast, you heard the audio. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, it might have played for, for our audience, but I didn't hear it, and that's okay with me. <laughs> all right. So overall, what'd you think of, uh, the entire season of one division overall i liked most of the season of one division um <clears throat> the performances were great the uh, initial conceit that they started with for the first i'd say you know half to two-thirds of the season uh, of following the uh, nice boss um, following the the common tropes and styles of old sitcoms, mm-hmm. um, it was it was weird. But once you got the hang of it, it got a little bit easier. Um, but but it was still um, it was still a process to uh, to take it in and uh, really understand and see what the show was trying to was trying to give us. And that's something we'll, uh, dive into, uh, in more detail later, I assume. Um, but for the most part, a very well put together series, um, Marvel and Disney are making sure that even though they're uh, producing a, uh, a series for television and they did the same thing with the Mandalorian. Yes, it is. Sorry. I couldn't quite hear you. Could you please repeat what you said? <laughs> no, Okay. Because you said series. <laughs> that did it. Yeah. Uh, because they are making a serialized <laughs> show for television, um, they're making sure that it still uh, lives up to the 
uh, quality standards of the movies that they're putting out. Yeah. It looks like an MCU film. It sounds like an MCU film. The <laughs> effects are cinema level effects. They're not television level effects. Yeah. They're making sure that they put the requisite amount of money into these productions to make them, uh, match their cinema counterparts in quality, uh, which is very impressive. I, I think they're doing a great job with it. Um, it's essentially a super long movie or a series of movies and you're just watching it on TV instead of going to the theater. Uh, that being said, the finale, and again, something else we'll talk more about uh, as the discussion goes on, but the season finale to me definitely felt like um, a, a gear shift. We were watching the story unfold. We're watching what's happening with these characters. And then we get to the final episode where we learn, ha ha, this has all been a movie prequel this whole time. <laughs> it wasn't Agatha all along. It was Dr. Strange prequel all along. Yeah. I, and I kind of, if, if, if you were listening the first time we talked about this, I kind of hinted that I thought that they would go that way. That it, except oh, yeah. I, I, I kind of I, thought, I saw this coming most of the season. It was going to lead up to Doctor Strange or Doctor Strange Two and Captain Marvel Two. Yeah, I kind of thought that they were going to end the whole thing on a cliffhanger, but they did a pretty good job of wrapping up the loose ends that they had started. More or now, less, they, they left some threads open, you know. But I, you know, I knew they would. They 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 left less open than I thought they would. I'll, mm. I'll say it that way. Yeah. Um. I really enjoyed all of the series, but I enjoyed different parts of it for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, in the beginning, when they were just doing the one division TV show, the first three episodes of the series, mm -hmm. I really liked that. It was kind of like a puzzle where the viewers are trying to figure out what's going on and they give us some hints. They would show us a commercial that would give us a hint you know, and, and that kind of thing. And they never really gave us any answers until the very end of episode three. And then they right. really started giving us some answers in episode four. Um, I think that those first three episodes, they probably could have done all that in two episodes. I, they, maybe they could have, I think what would have been a better idea instead of trying to squeeze it into two episodes is release those three episodes together. Rather yeah. than the first two episodes the way they did. Um, cause that's, that's all we heard from the first portion of the season is people complaining, uh, uh, about what it was like trying to watch WandaVision and not understanding it because people were making snap judgments based on those two episodes yeah. and then a little bit on the third one. So it's all the, the sitcom motif and people without understanding what was the mechanics behind it. People weren't getting it. People were bashing the series. Whereas if they had put all three of those episodes out at once, you could see three different sitcoms and it ends with your first look at the real world after Monica gets um, ejected from the hex. Right. Yeah. That would have been a perfect way to end that yeah, first that, premiere night. That is how you leave the audience hanging, wondering what happens next. Because now we've seen, okay, so there's the real world right next to what we've been seeing for these three sitcom episodes. Um, I, it, it really would have been a better way, a better place to leave it, uh, after giving the audience their first taste. Um, but at the same time, 
I'm I'm a fan of Elizabeth Olsen. I'm a big fan of Paul Bettany. Give me two episodes with them in sitcom. Yeah, I'll come back for the third one. I'm, that's not going to scare me off. And I also really like the the fact that it is a TV show, but they're trying to blend it with a cinematic universe. They played around with the aspect ratio of the show a lot. Yeah, you know, like the the first two episodes were completely in television format. Even though they know that everybody watching this probably has a flat screen, widescreen television, we're not watching it on an old tube television. Um, mm-hmm. They still did it with the black bars on the sides, and uh, and made it television format. And and then when we go into the real world, they show it in cinema format. Now. One thing that I that I noticed, I don't remember if it was episode four. It seems like it was even later that I actually realized what was happening. Um, it's not just that the real world, which would be in cinema format, and the and inside the hex would be in television format. Oh, I remember which episode it was. It was the one that was um, breaking the fourth wall. That episode. Um, anytime that you're watching something that Wanda it was in control of it would be full screen. As soon as it goes into something that's not in her control, the outside world or whatever, mm-hmm. it would turn into cinema format. So, because the episode kind of opened out in the real world with the FBI guys and everything, and it was all cinema mm-hmm. format with the black bars on the top and the bottom letterbox format. Yeah. yeah. And then when they went and they showed Vision inside the hex, waking up from where he had you know, gotten reabsorbed by the hex in the first episode it's still in cinema format but the letterbox bars kind of disappear yeah and they didn't happens. even make that a hard cut <clears throat> yeah yeah they went away that, that zoomed it it zoomed it because so the, the because he was waking, slowly i noticed yeah that. he was waking up and as he was waking up he was falling back into her control so it, mm-hmm. it turned back into full screen and then everything in there was full screen until we got to the end of that episode, which was when we found out about Agatha, the Agatha all along, um, song and everything. Um, when she goes down into the basement, which is essentially like a dungeon, as she's going down the stairs, it slowly comes back. She, I, I, that, that one I missed. Yeah, she's not in control anymore. <clears throat> so I, I really liked that yeah. aspect of it. All throughout the season, they were doing a lot of really small. I, I have avoided uh, articles and videos that have talked about Easter eggs for WandaVision because I know there's going to be so many. Oh, yeah. I know I missed so many. Um, it's starting to make me wonder if I'm just, again, in yet another aspect, getting older than I realize. <laughs> it's it's harder for me to watch television and to watch movies. Um I feel most of the time when I'm watching a TV show or a movie, I feel like I'm missing so much. And I don't know if it's because I have a harder time taking everything in that I'm, that I'm being shown Mm -hmm. or if there's just so much more being packed into modern TV and movies because most shows these days are being made uh, with the understanding that people who are watching it, can pause at any time with a crystal clear view of the frame that they pause on and they can dissect what they're watching. If you want to take five hours to watch a 25 minute show, then yeah, you can catch everything they put in there. I think they also assume that we're all going to watch it 50 times and 
<laughs> Most of these yeah. episodes I only watched once. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have the time to go back and watch yeah. this stuff over again. It's not going to happen. Um, but there are a lot of little details and a lot of little clever things that they snuck into these episodes that I know I missed. But the few that I caught, I it was... It's not just them being cute and trying to do a little bit of fan service, but it's them really thinking through the things that they're putting in here. Some of them are story clues. Some of them are uh, comic references just to show that they know what they're talking about. Uh, but they're, they're all very, very smart. Yeah. Some of them I kicked myself later when I didn't, I didn't realize them because, uh, like in, in the finale, well, in the, at the end of, uh, at the end of breaking the fourth wall, when she goes down into the basement and the runes are all around the room and Agatha tells her, you know, uh, who, whatever witch put the runes up, those, that's the only witch that can do her magic in that space. Mm -hmm. I should have known right then, but that's how she's going to beat her. (laughs) Of course it is. That's how she's going to beat her. And I mean, they basically hit me over the head with it and I still, I didn't catch it. So Mm -hmm. I want to talk about, about, uh, I mean, we'll get into the plot of the show, but you and I are both fans of uh, classic television. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the old shows that they kind of referenced on some of mm-hmm. this. Because I think that a lot of the audience that watch this are probably under 25 and they probably have never seen some of the shows. So yeah. I, I think that they did a really good job of it and I want to commend them for it. So I want to... And there may be some that were referenced that I didn't even notice. You know, some of them were just the big ones that is obviously based on that or whatever. So, yeah. Um, episode one was called Film Before a Live Studio Audience, and it was obviously a Dick Van Dyke, uh, kind of crossed with I Love Lucy and Donna Reed for the most part. Yeah. I got, um, more than anything else, I got I Love Lucy vibes off of it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a little bit of uh, Bewitched in there just because she was using magic. But Bewitched was more prevalent in the next one. The next yeah. one was Don't Touch That Dial, which was the one where Vision's boss comes over to for dinner. Uh, no, 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 that was the first one. The, the the second one was the one where they did the magic show out in the ta- out in the square of the, ta- the town right. square. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is um, a plot of a bewitched episode. There is a a bewitched episode where she is the uh, the sidekick, the helper for a magician, and she's using her magic to help him do his tricks. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so that was I Dream of Genie, Bewitched, kind of mixed together. And yeah. I- I was getting more bewitched off of, off of episode three, the, the the first one that we had in color. Yeah, episode three was now, was called now in color. It was more the Brady Bunch and the Partridge that, that family. Too. Yeah, those th- th- those for sure. But it was probably the um, the increase in the amount of power usage that we saw from Wanda that made me think bewitched. Okay, um, but. But yeah, also a, a real heavy dose of Brady Bunch in there as well. Yeah, yeah, and that episode also the color saturation kind of changed in some of the shots because some of the shots it looked just like a Brady Bunch episode, and then some of it reminded me more of the Norman Lear type stuff, like All in the Family and the Jeffersons, <laughs> yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Uh, it's like, it's like as the, as the episode went on, the closer it got towards the end, 
the colors kind of changed a little bit. I don't know, it, just the way that the uh, that the episode looked was was different. Yeah, they they weren't quite so highly saturated and bright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the house, I like that the house, the layout of the house didn't change. Uh, through the episodes, the stairs were usually in the same place. The front door was in the same place, but they changed so much of it to match these shows. Like, uh, like in the Brady Bunch episode, the stairs turned into like the Brady stairs and the front door was the Brady front door. And then, yeah, with the, with the, then, yeah, yeah. The, the open riser, uh, open riser staircase, yeah. uh, that they used to have. I remember those. Yeah. And then the, uh, the opening credits had a lot of, partridge family uh there was even some uh, mary tyler moore aspects to it when the title came up it was wandavision and it took up the whole screen in different colors and stuff yeah um so it had a lot i mean there, there was a lot of different sitcoms that were referenced just usually each episode kind of focused on one or two you know um episode five episode four was mostly outside of the hex and mm-hmm. uh there what they didn't really do a a version of the show for that episode. They were watching right. some of the ones that we've already seen. Uh, but then they came back. Episode five was called on a very special episode and it had a family ties kind of aspect to it, especially the opening credits. You had family ties, yeah. you had growing pains. Yeah, I, I got a lot of growing pains over that one. Full more house than, more than family ties. Yeah. Well, well, family ties was, uh, mostly in the opening credits when you would see like the drawings of the characters. Um, because that was the, that was the, um, opening credits to family ties was there was a family yeah. portrait being painted, you know, and there was also a full house because they, they showed the family having a picnic in the opening credits. And that's, that's a, shot taken straight from full house which is funny because elizabeth olsen, elizabeth olsen's sisters were on full house they were right the olsen twins um and then you had a wait a minute they're sisters sorry <laughs> episode six was all new halloween spooktacular and it was mostly taken from malcolm in the middle you had the um kind of uh rock video opening credits he had the kids breaking the, the credits wall. made me think Malcolm more than anything else yeah well plus the, when, when the show started the kids were looking at the camera and talking to the audience which is something Frankie uh, Munez did all the time in Malcolm in the Middle yeah um, and then some of the stuff later on when they were in the town square having the the big Halloween party and everything that kind of reminded me of some of those kids kid friendly horror shows that used to come on Nickelodeon like, uh, are yeah. you are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps and that kind of stuff? I have. Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> um, did you also notice in that episode that they were showing Night of the Living Dead in the town square on the on this big screen? It was obviously you could tell it was Night of the Living Dead, but at the same time, it wasn't. They refilmed it. They re- the scenes that they showed up there. They refilmed those scenes with new characters. I don't know why, but it was obviously Night of the Living Dead, but it was not the same actors from the original. I, I did not notice. And now that makes me wonder why they would have done it. Makes me wonder who it is that is on the screen. Yeah, because there's not any rights issues. That movie's in public domain. They could have shown as much of that as they wanted to. Right. So, 
So um, either Disney's trying to be super nice or super respectful to Romero, or if they if they chose particular people to go into that remake, quote unquote, for a reason, that might be another. There might have been a uh, hint. Yeah, yeah. Might be another Easter egg. Episode seven was breaking the fourth wall, and it was uh, based off of two thousands era. Um, Sitcoms, which are the kind of sitcoms where they have someone looking at a camera and do, doing a confessional, a la Modern Family, The Office. She was she was obviously doing her best Claire Dunphy impression uh, from Modern Family through most of that mm-hmm. episode, which I've never watched, but I I knew Modern Family is definitely where they were going with that one. Modern Family is. <clears throat> Top notch. That's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, at the end, when we find out that it was Agatha all along, that whole song is kind of Adam's family meets the monsters kind of thing. So we got that out of the way. Let's let's talk about the last couple of episodes because that's pretty much what the whole thing boils boils down to. Um, so Wanda created all of the stuff out of grief, mm-hmm. and she brought back a version of her husband. She brought children into it she created a life for herself but what we find out is that Agatha Harkness has been manipulating things this whole time Uh, what I I gather is that she's trying to bring Wanda's powers up so she can consume them because that's kind of what her power is is she can consume other people's powers and take it from them which leaves them an empty husk and makes her more powerful what was sword doing to begin with? Because when vision bought this lot, we see in this flashback in episode six, that vision bought this lot for them to build a house there. Mm -hmm. Well, he died before she went there. And uh, when she went there, she created this false uh, reality for herself. Well, we'll say that he, he died before they could build a house there. That doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, she had never been there. I, they they might have looked at the place and decided they liked the neighborhood and that lot, and they might have bought it together. And he just put the heart and the message on the deed. Mm-hmm, yeah. N- no part of me assumed that any of this was a surprise for her. It was a plan that they made together, but now she's the only one left to right. Okay. To to mourn the the, the loss of their future. Um, you know, she knew that that plot was there. She knew that the uh, the site and the town was there. And after seeing the, the proof, the physical proof that vision is gone, then she goes to that house. Just she's, so she's processing her sadness. She's going to that place where their future was going to be. And now it won't be. And then she essentially for, for the Scarlet witch uh, would be considered uh, in a sense, a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. Which formed the hex. Yeah, and when the hex when the hex comes up and and moves outward, grows, takes over the whole town, and all the people in the town become hypnotized. They become zombies. They take on other personalities, and their own personalities are suppressed. And she didn't realize what she was doing to them. Um, she knew that she had kind of hijacked their personality. And turn them into characters in the show. But what she found out in the last episode is that she was suppressing, which we already knew because Vision figured it out. 
Um, She was suppressing who they really were, but they were still aware of what was happening. And Mm. they even told her, when you allow us to sleep, we have your nightmares. Which probably some pretty bad nightmares. (laughs) She's experienced a lot of stuff, you know. It, It left me wondering by the time we got to the final episode, how, how aware Wanda has been this whole time of what she's doing to these people. Is she so wrapped up in her own grief and, and is she throwing herself 150% into the fantasy and becoming part of it that she doesn't realize that these are real people Mm -hmm. that are being overwritten or does she does she understand the whole time? Yes, I know these were real people with their own lives last week. Now they are automatons that are being forced to perform in my uh, in my grief fugue. But I don't care. Yeah, yeah, and and also the fact what we found mm-hmm. out was that when Monica when she would go into the hex, her cells were being rewritten every time. Yeah, every time she went in. Which I think that every time Wanda turned this town into another decade, like she changed it from a 50 sitcom to a 60 sitcom to a 70 sitcom to an 80 sitcom. Every time Mm -hmm. she did that, she was doing the same thing to those people that were in there. She was rewriting them, which tells me that that's not, that's physically, that's not good for them. (laughs) I see where you're coming from. I don't think that the writers and the, uh, and the showrunners were, viewing it the same way because all those people were already inside the hex. It's just their, their settings and their surroundings were all being changed, but the people weren't really being changed so much because they're already in there. What was altering Monica on that molecular level or cellular level? I can't remember what Darcy said. I think she said cells. Yeah. It, it was the passing through the skin of the hex that was doing that. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the, the alterations inside it, that's different. Um, if for no other reason, then we don't want to, we, we don't want to have to, uh, think our way out of the corner that they would have painted themselves into if you have a town of, you know, what, 300, 500 Captain Marvels? Well, I or, think Monica. Or spectrums or photons walking around? I, I think Monica already, that's a, kind of the same thing with Wanda. I think it was, Monica already had something there that this just kind of woke up. She was, I can't say mutant because they haven't really said that they have mutants in the cinematic universe yet. But mm-hmm. if you go with Wanda, like from the comics, Wanda's a mutant. They've never called her that in this because legally they couldn't say mutant because Fox owned the rights to mutants and they haven't right. blended the two yet, you know? So, um, and the fact that she had these mutant abilities that got woke up when she, when Sword exposed her to this uh, to the Mind Stone, the Mind Stone, yeah, in that flashback, that, that wasn't Sword, that was Hydra. It's Hydra, that's right, Hydra. Excuse me. Um, and so Monica, I think, I think is the same way. I think the fact that she probably already had something in her kind of got woke up when she uh when she went through a few times i don't think it would have happened to everybody it might have killed I, everybody <laughs> maybe i 
I don't know about Monica having uh, you know a a pre-existing um, uh, potential for for powers that was activated by her passing through the the edge of the hex. It, it's possible. I don't think they really indicated that in the show. We're gonna have to wait for Captain Marvel two. Yeah, before we find that out because we saw just a, a very few glimpses of. Uh, of Monica's powers in this show, so they're gonna they're gonna spend a lot of Captain Marvel too. I think unpacking that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So during that final episode, she tried to let everybody go because she realized that she was torturing them. But what she found out was that if she broke down the hex, then Vision and her kids ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, she says that's what's got to happen. She can't keep on hurting these people. And so she says goodbye to him. Now, she tells her kids, she says, thank you for choosing me to be your mom. Which tells me these these two boys and the version of Vision that she had there with her were not just holodeck characters. There was something to them. I don't know if I would call it a soul. But she's... She says, thank you for choosing me to be your mom. Now, if she had just created them, then they didn't choose anything. Yeah. There's something there that she's speaking to. Yeah. I'm not sure what they were trying to say with that particular line. It, because I couldn't find any, uh, you know, hidden layer of meaning, at least not one that, that jumped out to me. Maybe other people caught something that I didn't. Um, I just chalked it up to that's her saying something extra special nice to these two uh these two you know, ostensibly sentient beings that she created that she now must destroy mm-hmm. well because it, they're they're entirely artificial they're a construct of uh of the hex which was a manifestation of her grief which has to be taken down at the very end of the episode the post credit scene we hear their voices so they still exist in some fashion, even if, I don't know if it's just in her mind, but she hears their voices and they're saying that something is wrong and that kind of leads into what will be picked yeah, up in another movie. <laughs> they're, they're calling out for help, so tune yeah. in to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness for, for more details. Now, this is kind of based off of a story from the comics that they followed parts of it and they changed a lot of parts of it. In the comics... From what I understand, I've never read this story, but uh, yep. Mephisto gave gave her these children, but they were they were part of him, and he destroyed them. He took he took his part back, and it killed them. And then she got them back later in another story. They came oh, okay. they came back, or another version of them came back, and uh, and they were like major members of the Marvel universe for a long time they became heroes in their own right uh, yeah they, they were members of the young avengers i mm-hmm. think at least at least one of them it wouldn't surprise me if um if they're going to follow that uh, mephisto uh plot angle um they will explore wanda's uh, evolution into the scarlet witch and she will learn to control her abilities in the next doctor strange film and if they decide to make a season two of this show, that's when we'll pick up on that second um, uh, stinger 
the second after credit scene with her hearing the voice of the boys. Mm-hmm. That'll be season two where she goes to look for them and finds that Mephisto is uh, in the mix. So all those memes that you were posting on Facebook about Mephisto being the <laughs> the, the big reveal at the end of the season is probably going to be season two if yeah. there is a season two. Yeah, I was I was I was kind of <clears throat> poking fun at some people that that's they were so convinced convinced that Mephisto was going to come back. I was like, if they, I don't think they're going to bring a character as big as Mephisto in a TV show. I think if he shows up, it's going to be in a movie. Probably. I, I, I don't know. With, with the scale that they're making these shows on, I think it's entirely possible that they might introduce him. They have a lot of villains. They can, they can spread the wealth a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Vision. Vision bat has a, a pretty big battle Excuse in this me. episode with... You can call him White Vision. You can call him. I've heard him called West Coast Vision. <laughs> a, I like he, it. He is. Uh, he's essentially Vision without the Mind Stone. They've they've mm-hmm. rebuilt him. Yeah. Uh, which we knew. I kind of knew was gonna eventually happen uh, based off of the fact that they were trying to do it in Infinity War. They were trying to. Uh, figure out a way to have him work without the Mind Stone so that they could yeah. take it. And um, they did it. It just took them several years to, to do it. And mm-hmm. uh, But this is this, this version of Vision had no memories. He was basically a robot. Yeah. And uh, Vision gives him his memories back. He touches his little thing in his forehead, which is not a Mind Stone. It was just like a microchip or something there. Yeah, more more like a processor. Yeah. He touched that, and it gave him all of his memories back, and then he just says, I am Vision, and then flies away. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, is he actually Vision? He still doesn't have the Mind Stone, so he can't be 100% the same Vision that we already knew. And if he is Vision, why did he just leave? <laughs> why wouldn't he? <laughs> he? Because he knew Wanda was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great big dangling plot thread right there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure not what I was expecting at all. I I was really anticipating the vision that we had been watching all season, which is the manifestation of Vision's personality, born from, as Wanda put it, uh, the part of him, the, the part of the Mind Stone that exists within her. Yeah his aspect of the mind stone that exists within her, she externalized that and turned that into a physical vision within the hex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll call that holodeck vision because he can't exist outside the hex. And it's just her projecting him into, into a physical form. I was really expecting that vision, which is essentially the heart and soul of vision to combine yeah. With white vision, which is for all intents and purposes, his physical form, but without his personality, just the, the raw programming and, and data from when he was, from when he was corporeal. I really expected them to get merged together and then we, they would just decide what he would look like at the end. I, part of me was expecting he would be the, the white vision that we saw on the show was very angular. He had a lot of, you know, a, a lot more sharp edges on his face mm-hmm. and he was very, very bright, cool white 
there was a lot of blue, blue accents in the lights in him. So he was a cool white. If they had combined those two into a, a more like an, like an eggshell and off white, warm white, uh, uh, physical version of vision, but still having the personality that Wanda had externalized in the hex. I, I was expecting that. Then we would have had essentially the same old vision with a new look. So now he matches the West coast Avengers version of vision from the comics. Right. And the two of them could have gone on to live happily at the end of the season. It's not the direction they decided to go. So now we all have to wonder where the hell is white vision. Yeah, he just left. Hey Rick. I see that Boz has been shit talking me while I wasn't here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was thinking the same thing was going to happen. I thought that vision was going to, um, blend with this new vision and they were going to become the same person. I kind of see now that the fact that she sacrificed vision and her kids to save the people in the hex, that if, uh, if that had happened, then she would have only sacrificed her kids, mm. which is kind of like, uh, you, you sacrificed two children and you saved your husband. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so uh they 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 might have had to come up with a with a slightly modified ending if they wanted to keep a form of the vision around afterward. But now we know she still holds uh the essence of who vision was as a person within her. Mm-hmm. So that's something else they can do in season two is she can once again manifest the heart and soul of vision from the part of the mind stone that she holds within her. And she can push that into white visions, mechanical body. And then we get a, we get what infinity wars was trying to accomplish, which is a, a vision free of the mind stone. Right. Yeah. Uh, Rick, what did you, what'd you think of the finale? And uh, I know you have, you had problems with the show early on. What do you think of it as a whole now? Um, it's all right. <laughs> uh, I no, I'm I'm not I'm not being uh, I'm not I'm not trying to be flip or anything. I'm too friggin' tired for that. Uh, sorry, folks. I've been we're we're we started tech rehearsals for Heather's the musical today. I've been in, it works since ten o'clock this morning. Uh, I just got home. Um, WandaVision. Yes. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was okay. I was not thrilled with the ending. Um, I liked the Monica Rambo part. I really liked Vision's part. Uh, it sounds like we had a similar reaction. I was confused at the end. I thought they had merged together as well. And then clearly that was not true. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I found the whole Wanda Agatha thing. Thing to be utterly uninteresting and disjointed. Um, <laughs> it just, it, it just, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. What you know, and and, and you know what the 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 tactic she used was fine, but she kept kind of you know flipping back and forth between being a victim and being clever, and being a victim and being clever. And I never really could get a bead on Wanda to the point where I just. You guys know, I cry at damn commercials if they're too sappy. <laughs> that ending, and I saw, you know, I had plenty of people going, oh, that ending wrecked me. It didn't bring a single tear out of me. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was like, they're, they're not really going to 
kill the kids, are they? holy shit, they did. But it didn't. It didn't. There was no heartstring twanging or wrenching or anything, uh, which is very unusual for me. Because ever since Sharon was born, I've turned into a soppy wreck. You know, <laughs> the, a radio commercial can make me cry for crying out loud. Uh, uh, but anyway, the 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 ending of the 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 denouement, and I think thinking about it right now, I think maybe because it was so stretched out, it was almost like David Tennant's last episode as the Doctor, where after a while it was like, "Will you just go already?" I don't want um, to go. Yeah, and it just it just kept going on and on and on. Um, you know, I think if the if the if the episode had maybe been tightened up. Even five minutes, I think it might have hit me a little harder. It wasn't bad. It was yeah, only it was only fifty minutes, and that included the post credit scenes, and so it wasn't yeah, really that it, long. But that whole ending between the, the 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 end of the fight with Agatha and Monica and uh, sorry Wanda standing in the vacant lot felt like it was twenty minutes long. But I felt like we needed all that so that we knew that Wanda was not evil because that's the thing that we were worried about this whole season is that she's turning evil i wasn't <laughs> that, that, seriously that never even occurred to me i thought that it might be something that they would try to make us think but i didn't think it was actually going to happen no no part of me thought that well is scarlet witch going to be a villain in the next doctor strange movie no i like i said i i i really enjoyed vision i didn't have a problem with wanda but the, the she she was the least interesting character in in the series for me. I would say that Wanda might have been one of the least interesting characters in the finale. But I thought she did I thought she did a really good job throughout the season. Um, the the later we got into the season, the less they were focusing on Elizabeth Olsen and more on her reactions to everything else going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which it, it's one of those things that can happen. If you're trying to focus a story entirely on one person, you end up focusing on what's happening to the person and their reaction to it rather than what the person is actively doing. Um, it was I, to, to make another theater reference. Um, Rick, I think you've, have you been involved in a production of Jeffrey before? Okay. Do you know the movie? No. Okay. Um, uh, well, then suffice to say that um, it, it's a great play. It's a great movie. Uh, it's a tough show to perform because whoever is playing Jeffrey, you expect, ah, I'm title character. It's going to be a lot of stuff to do. There's not a whole lot of stuff to do other than to be on stage and react to everyone else uh playing their parts and saying their lines around you, the main character, because like 80% of that character is their reaction to what's happening around them. Mm-hmm. And that is not an easy thing to pull off. Um, <laughs> I will. Well, and, and I don't think that Olsen did a bad job. <laughs> oh no, she did better than I did when I played Jeffrey. That's for sure. <laughs> but it's just, it's not always easy to make that character as interesting when most of their performance is reaction. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about Monica. Uh, we got introduced to her in episode two. 
And, but really, we didn't know who she was until the very end of episode three. We Well, we saw her get ejected from the hex at the very end of episode three. We found out who she was in episode four. Right. And um, we see her coming back from being dusted. And I call it that because I don't like blipped. <laughs> she got blipped. <laughs> um, so that's what Spider-Man, that's what the Spider-Man movie calls it. And that's a Sony production. So, you know, screw that. We will call it, we'll call it snapped. Well, they, I snapped. mean, they, they, they called it that in this, in that episode, they called it blipped. So it's like official MCU term. Oh shoot. They adopted it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, it's a moment that we've never actually seen before because in Endgame we saw Hulk snap his fingers and we knew that it happened because Hawkeye's wife calls him on the phone. Mm-hmm. But, We've never seen anybody come back. And, and, and we got to see in the hospital all these people coming back and like all the ashes are coming back together and forming people and stuff. And it was. You saw it in, in Spider-Man Far From Home. Well, we, did we actually see it happen? They, um, the school announcements showed, uh, B-roll a, a of. Video. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. B- basketball game and, and the band, uh, uh, rematerialized, uh, on the court. Right. In the middle of the basketball game. But, um, she gets, she kind of gets her origin story during this show because she goes in and out of the hex three times. And after the first two times, Darcy tells her that it's rewriting her cells. And then the third time when she goes through, she gets changed. Now, Monica Rambo has had different stories in the Marvel comics. Uh, not all of them are, can- are canon anymore because canon kind of changes. In some versions, she becomes Captain Marvel at some point in her story. Uh, mm-hmm. In some versions, she becomes a hero called Spectrum. And in some versions, she becomes a hero called Photon. Mm-hmm. They never really said... They never called her anything in this. But her her powers look more like when she was Photon in the comics. And they, wasn't Photon her... her fighter call sign yeah or her mom's wasn't her her mom's call sign when she was a pilot or something like that oh i, I my, my wife has been like giving me the backstory and all of yeah. this stuff after every episode and i forget what mm-hmm. happened and what she told me so <laughs> right um I, I i can't remember um because i i don't think that monica was ever in the air force because i think monica was either um, an agent in sword or perhaps she was a shield agent before the snap. Well, she was in the air force because they had a scene where she was talking to a commanding officer that told her that she was grounded and that her mom had, had put something, uh, had put something in place that anybody that comes back from being dusted is grounded, uh, for a while. And that's okay. uh, Yeah. Yep. And, that's and right. so that's why they wouldn't let her fly. And then she, she goes on to work with Sword and they're calling her Captain Rambo because she was a captain in the, in the Air Force. That's right. So, but she's now, she was my favorite character in the whole. Yeah. The whole yeah. She was good. I can't remember the actress's name. I didn't write it down, but she, she was really good. And we, we will see her again in Captain Marvel too. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, she's powerful. And- she's not as powerful as Wanda. But she's trying her best to help the situation get resolved without Wanda getting hurt or getting killed, you know. And then at the end, she's contacted by the scrolls, and she and they 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 want to they want to talk to you. Where and they just 
point up. <laughs> so mm-hmm. in and, space. And I felt so stupid because <laughs> I was thinking the guy who was the head scroll, and my wife's like, "No, Nick Fury, dumbass." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I forgot he was up there. But you know, hey, maybe they both want to talk to her. Yeah. You, you know. Oh, yeah. I, well, okay. Yes, I know you. You didn't say that specifically to me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't call you a dumbass. <laughs> I was. I called me a dumbass. <laughs> but it. It that started me wondering because um, from the sounds of it, um, uh, Monica's mother, uh, it was it Maria, yes, uh, Mar- Maria Rambo was. It seems like she was a a high up member of Sword, but there were times where it sounded like Maria formed Sword. Um. So it made me wonder, like, did she sort of run it, but Nick Fury was pulling the strings behind the scenes because obviously he was uh, part of the formation of it because we saw him at the end of Captain Marvel up uh, up in space on the space station working with a bunch of scrolls. Uh, working, he was on vacation. Yeah, well, kind of, kind of, sort of. <laughs> he had been working before his vacation. <laughs> vacation meaning I'm going to go into the sun room and just sit for a while. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this because you're you're more in tune with the comics than than the rest of us. Um, what's the difference between sword and shield? Well, the sword stabs. <laughs> my my rough understanding is shield was intended to uh, monitor and defend against. Uh, Either extraterrestrial and or metahuman threats, whereas sword was designed as their offensive branch. If they have to take the fight to a threat, mm-hmm. then you dispatch sword. Mm-hmm. If you just need to watch what's happening and and be prepared for it and and monitor and keep an eye on all the superheroes and and all their goings on, that's what shield is for. But if you need to take a more active role to try to handle a threat, that's when sword comes in. I kind of get the gist of it, just the fact that one's called sword and one's called shield. <laughs> but now, at, at the same time, at the same time, I wonder if the MCU is taking the approach of it's Nick Fury forming sword to do what he was doing before because shield was dismantled after Hydra had infiltrated it over the decades and poisoned it. So by the end of Winter Soldier, Shield no longer exists. Right. Unless you look at the TV show where Shield technically does exist, but it hardly exists on the scale that it used to exist before Winter Soldier. And they time and then, travel all the time and so, yeah. yeah, and and then by the time you get to the final seasons of Agents of Shield, they've diverged so much from the MCU that they are essentially no longer a part of this universe. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. They stop trying My to make them tie together. My brain hurts. <laughs> <laughs> but I hear they're bring, I hear they're going to bring Coulson back into the back into the cinematic universe now, which would be a fine move, and that's something yeah. they can do now that the now that the series has wrapped. If they had tried a little bit harder, they could have kept the series uh, more in line with the MCU. But I know that there was a disconnect between the powers that be of Marvel Films mm-hmm. and whoever was running the show at Marvel Television. They just stopped communicating with each other. I think, I think, I want to say it was Ike Perlmutter who was running uh, the movie side of things. I don't know. And I, wh- whoever was running the Marvel uh, film. I, 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 Feige, Feige runs the 
Well, he's he's the overall executive oh, okay. grand high poobah, but I doubt he's got he's involved in the day to day operations of everything. Yeah, and I, I think once upon a time, uh, Feige was answering to someone else, and that someone else was not very interested in it was Mickey communica- in communicating with the TV side of things. So they just kind of let let television go, and they stopped referring to it. They stopped letting them in on their movie plans. So. Agents of Shield and Agent Carter just had to do their own thing. Uh, Y'all either did not hear my joke, or you just found it so unfunny that you didn't even react to it. <laughs> he, he said he said that Feige was little answering little to somebody, and I said it was Mickey Mouse. Oh no! I didn't hear that. <laughs> oh boy! I didn't hear that. Can I ask you all a question? And if you've already d- covered this, that, that's fine. But uh, the one aspect of the show I found utterly tiresome. And incredibly trite, and I was very disappointed it was in there, was the classic bad guy head of another department who, I don't even remember the, the dude's name. but you know. Hayward. Yeah. It, I was, I, it was just like, really, this trope yeah. is where you're going. We, we hadn't talked about it, but I, I think that it was just there because they needed something to be going on with that group. And uh it, 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 they had to have some reason that uh Monica and Jimmy and Darcy would run into some uh some interference when they were trying to help what was going on with Wanda and everything. So and he was so utterly inept. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all, but I think I I don't know what I would have done that would have been any different because they just they needed something there, and it was. Uh, it's another one of those things. Why that, did they need that there? They, they could have made him, you know, a a high ranking member, if not the uh, the commanding member of Sword, who wants to turn the body of Vision into a sentient weapon. He could have had the same the same desires, but they could have presented him as a character who actually you know makes smart decisions. Yeah. Who tries to go about things in a clever way rather than the type of guy who thinks, Oh, the Scarlet Witch who has wrought so much damage over the years and who we still have no idea exactly how powerful she is. We can face off against her with about two dozen guys and automatic weapons. I'm sure we'll be fine. And then you get to the, the final episode and he becomes a guy who literally tries to shoot children in the head. <laughs> yeah. I think that they were trying they they were purposely playing with television tropes. And I think that that might have been a trope that they were trying to intentionally play with because it's a television show about television. And so that's something that has been done to death on television and they were trying to play with it. Now whether or not they were successful and didn't just end up just doing the trope. Sometimes you can just do a trope, and sometimes you do a trope in a way that makes it obvious that you're trying to play with things. Uh, I don't well, think let, let me, it didn't feel say, that way to me. Let me mm-hmm. let me say something, just for all of the people who are pissed about me bitching about this show for the last nine weeks. <laughs> I understand why it started the way it did. I get it. I didn't enjoy it going through it. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I understand what they were doing. 
And every episode after episode four, where it was like, oh, okay, that's tying back to that, that's tying back to that, that's tying back to that. I was like, all right, y'all were right, I was wrong. Didn't mean I enjoyed getting through those first three episodes anymore, nor will I ever watch them again. <laughs> Even if I were to rewatch this series, I would start with episode four. Um, but it was all clever. It was all very clever, very well written, in retrospect, you know, I I still think they probably could have done the first three episodes a little more, a little shorter, maybe two, maybe one. <laughs> but be that as it may, it was what it was. I'm not going to criticize. You know, one thing I don't like to do is go off on the, well, they should have done it this way. That's that's one ask. That's one thing I hear a lot on podcasts that I I, I don't like it when people go off too much on well, I really expected it to be this, and I'm pissed that it wasn't. Um, I had no expectations on this show, so. Um, but that guy was so... If he was inside the hex, it probably wouldn't have bothered me as much, because like you said, that's, you know, that's where tropes were happening. But he wasn't inside the hex. He was just the classic, I'm taking over this investigation and I'm going to be an asshole about it, <laughs> which we've seen a million times. And I was, I was rather disappointed because whether it worked for me or not, this show was very clever. This show was unique, was original to me anyway, because I haven't, I haven't read the comics, but I appreciated what they were doing despite all of my bitching about it. And I, you know, that's neither here nor there. I cannot like a show and appreciate the craft of it. And the craft of this was really good up until this last episode, which felt very disjointed. It almost felt like it was supposed to be a lot longer and some stuff got cut out. Possible. Yeah. You know, my, my problem wasn't that it was too long. My problem was that it felt long. The the, the woman from Thor. I, I, Darcy? Darcy. Darcy. No. Yeah. Yeah. It is Darcy. Okay. When she crashed into Asshole's truck and said, have fun in prison. I'm like, he hasn't done anything illegal. He's just been a jerk and been doing, <laughs> apparently, you know, what he was told to do. So that, that whole storyline part of it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I just didn't like the fact that that was literally the only thing that Darcy had to say in like the last three episodes. Three episodes. Yeah, yeah. I, she, she was not in the penultimate episode. I think she was in the episode before that. So she that's... was the clown and where breaking where... the fourth wall, which was episode six, uh, which was one that they were kind of they were kind of doing Modern Family in the office and all that. She, mm. she had a lot to do in that because she was giving Vision all the exposition of what happened to him after Infinity War and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And of course, you know, throughout the entire season, Darcy was the, the comic relief, which is, I, that was the, the point of her character in the first Thor film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when they started writing Thor 2 and they, they got, they were getting ready to make it, um, uh, the powers that be came down uh, to the uh, the producers and the writers of Dark World and said, so um, people really like Darcy from the first one and they really like Loki from the first one, so we need some more of them. And the writers 
did, weren't really sure what to do. They were saying, well, there's not a whole lot that we can cut to make room for more Loki and more Darcy. I mean, you know, it's, it's a full movie. I, I, we don't know how to expand those characters. Well, you can find something that, that can go. So you, you can find something to cut and replace it with more Darcy because she's funny and more Loki because uh, apparently people just, you know, uh, ruin their underwear over Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> so they, and no kidding. Sorry, there's fucking gnats. <laughs> no, no, no joke. They removed as much uh, character development and backstory from the villain as they possibly could in order to shoehorn in more Loki and Darcy into the second movie. It absolutely showed. It, probably my least favorite MCU movie. Certainly oh, yeah. the least the least compelling MCU villain that I've ever seen. Oh yeah, yeah. I I've watched it. Uh, 0.75 times. <laughs> now, I, I do have to give them credit with Darcy because they came this close to Manic Pixie Dream Girl and didn't quite step over the line with her. <laughs> I always found her more obnoxious than I found her compelling, so... Uh, well, I, I like I like the character, but Kat Dennings, I like her. Um, she was on that sitcom Two Broke Girls for many years, and I liked the first couple of seasons of that, and it kind of lost me eventually. But uh, and she's got another show on Hulu right now that's not very good, and it's not it's not very good because she's in it because she's good in a lot of stuff. She's just in a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit um, about Wanda's origin that we saw in that flashback scene from episode eight. Yep. Um, I think it was episode eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. So we're supposed to have seen how she became what, what she was. She was a mutant which they didn't call her that, but she was a mutant that got exposed to the Mind Stone and it woke up her powers and everything. I've seen hmm. a lot of theories. Which, which, which they never hinted at before. Yeah. Uh, our understanding was her powers were solely a result of her being exposed to the Mind Stone. But they had also said, right before she got exposed to the Mind Stone, they had said that it had killed the last, I don't know how many people that they had done this to. And the hmm. fact that it didn't kill her but she became more powerful. And then, you know, we see some hints that when she was younger, she had some things going on too. Um, so the scene where they show when she's younger and her, and her and her family are going to watch television and there's this war going on outside and everything. There's some hints there that what we're seeing may be an unreliable narrator because we're watching her memories and, and what it is is uh, when they show the the DVD set that they're getting ready to, she gets to pick which show they're going to watch. The, the one of the DVD sets is the first season of Malcolm in the Middle. Mm-hmm. Well, Jimmy Woo says that uh, in another episode says that uh, Wanda and her brother were born in 1989. Her family died when she was 10 years old, so it was either 1999 or 2000 that her family died. That DVD, the show didn't start until 2000. That DVD didn't come out for several years after that. 
So we're seeing stuff that she's remembering, but she may not be remembering things the way that they actually happened. So there may we may find out later, like in in uh, in um, Doctor Strange two or something like that, that some of the stuff that we saw in that flashback may not be exactly true. May not be exactly what happened. There may be more to more to the story, or something like that. Or the writer screwed up. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that I, that was a that that seems like an attention. That seems like a detail that somebody put in there. I think it's more likely that it was a a a time frame oversight on the part of the writers, or in the MCU timeline, Malcolm in the Middle got their DVD box set out a little early. I think it's the MCU version of NCC one seven zero one A in a cartoon. <laughs> uh, I think there's more to it than that, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you could you could be right. I I am the worst person the 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 least knowledgeable person to comment on any of this stuff because i am strictly going from what i've seen on the screen yeah and that did not in any way occur to me because i what well, it, it jumped out I at never me watched when Malcolm i saw, in the middle. it jumped out at me when i saw it just because i thought that what we were seeing took place even earlier than that uh but i i, I started thinking of how old wanda is wanda's probably like in her early 30s but what we're seeing in WandaVision is after Endgame which Endgame takes place five years in the future because we saw five years later at the beginning of the of the movie and everything so I didn't know what age she would have been in that in when exactly when that scene would have took place but then I uh, I did a little bit of research online and I found where Jimmy had said that and I went back to the episode and I went back and found the clip and yeah he did say that they were okay. they were ten years old when they died, so I don't know. There may be nothing to it. Well, I mean, it may be something that they can revisit in a future movie, and we'll find out if uh, what she was seeing was actually what happened. I do want to talk about the uh, the red herring that's been going through most of the season with Wanda's brother showing up. They used Evan Peter. They used Evan Peters as her brother, which he plays Quicksilver in the in the the X-Men movies got everybody in an uproar. Oh, they're bringing the X-Men version of uh, Quicksilver into the MCU and he's taking his place and blah, 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 blah. And it turns out at the end of it, no, this is just some guy named Ralph Boner. <laughs> Boner. Boner. <laughs> yeah. Who, that, it, that whole thing was one, another one of the things that I was just like, shave 10 minutes off the episode and just leave that crap out. Because it I, did nothing for the episode. Yeah, and they they could have cut the uh, the after credit scene with Monica finding the cellar and uh, and Quicksilver coming up behind her. Snooper's gonna snoop, mm-hmm. and what? then fr- from Snooper's gonna snoop, we go to uh, Quicksilver's quote unquote uh, home, his man cave. Uh, uh, a brief tussle with Monica, and then Monica gets the drop on him, puts him on the ground, takes off the necklace, and now he's just Ralph Boner again. The end. That's it for that's the it. character. That was... It was a lot of build-up, and if that's how they chose to wrap it up, they did a poor job of it, because that doesn't explain anything. It doesn't let us know... You know, It, it doesn't solidly confirm for us, no, this is not an X-Men connection. We were just being clever with our casting of 
Ralph, who was co-opted by Agatha to be a fake Quicksilver, who just coincidentally looks like a guy named Quicksilver from these X-Men movies that don't technically yeah. exist in this universe. It's it's like they wanted to make a connection to the X-Men movies, and then they found out partway through production that they weren't allowed to, so they had to come up with a cheap uh, out for that particular plot thread. I think I think they just wanted they just wanted all the fan theories. They wanted the fans to talk about it. So they used Evan Peters. It would have been the same as if they had gotten uh Wanda's father to show up and it's Ian McKellen. If he had shown up and then later in the season we find out no, it's not Magneto, it's just some dude. <laughs> The whole uh, last season was a dream. What the hell? That would have been a brilliant casting move, though, I will say. Carlos has, want, Carlos has a good point. Done that. <laughs> he said it's kind of like when they used uh, the, the Mandarin in Iron oh, Man yeah. 3. And it wasn't the <laughs> and, Mandarin. It was just... And Iron Man 3 was a piece of... Not, as bad, not as bad as Thor 2. Yeah, not as bad as Thor 2. <laughs> yeah. It maybe it wasn't great, but it was Shane Black, so I will give it some leeway for it, that. It was The Incredibles. It was The Incredibles. Yes, it was The Incredibles. Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if, yeah, but if if Mister Incredible had just found a way to not use his powers and have somebody do it with a remote control, <laughs> I'm going to create an army of Iron Man that can just control. So let's talk about the 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 after credit scene at the end of the show when we see uh we see Wanda living in a cabin by herself out in the middle of the mountain somewhere and uh and then she goes inside and we see Scarlet Witch as a separate character. Wait, so, what? Did you not watch the after credit scene? I did, but I didn't see that. Was that at the end of the Yeah, the it was extended... at the end. There was two there was two credit scenes. Oh, I didn't. Because usually, by the time it, it starts showing me who who recorded it in Czechoslovakian, no, you we, missed we, it. There oh, was, I missed right, that. I'll see. I'll I'll describe it to you. So okay. they 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 show this area. It's in the mountains somewhere. I'm not exactly sure if it's the Himalayas or whatever. But it, back, backdrop wintry mountain range. Yeah. Okay. Wanda is sitting on the porch of a little cabin. She's drinking going, a cup of coffee. Going, going full Thanos. Yeah. And she she okay. goes inside and they and she goes like into her bedroom and they kind of pan over and they show Scarlet Witch kind of floating there a la uh Doctor Strange when he was doing his out of body when where he's studying while he's sleeping, that kind of thing. She's mm-hmm. sitting there reading the Book of the Damned, uh separate from herself. And while she's sitting there reading the book, she hears the voices of her two children screaming, something's wrong, help us. And oh. then, end of show. <laughs> God. Okay. That would have changed kind of my whole outlook on the on the entire show. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it, was, it. It, it was similar to as though she had taught herself how to astral project the way that... Uh, the way Doctor Strange does in his first movie, because she's pouring herself tea in the kitchen while simultaneously reading the Darkhold in the other room. All right, I'm gonna have to watch that once we're done. Yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering we... if if this might be jump into the future 
maybe she's already had a little bit of training from Doctor Strange. Maybe they don't meet in the next movie. They already know each other. I don't know. Um, but it's obviously leading into the into the movie that she's going to be in. And yeah. is it next year that that movie comes out? Yeah, 2022. Ooh, I can't keep track. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, also, what happened to Agatha? Because I know she told her she's going to make her turn her back into the Agnes character. But then the hex implodes. So where yeah. did she go? Is she inside Wanda now? That that was something I was because she was like, "You'll always be here. I'll know where to find you." Mm-hmm. And then it went away. Because you know, in the comics, Agatha is Wanda's uh, like her teacher. She teaches her how to do magic, and well, she teaches her a lot of that. stuff. So I'm wondering. I mean. Catherine Hahn was awesome in this show. Everything that she did, I mean, because she she played so many different characters. I mean, it was always the same character, but her character changed so much in different episodes of the TV show that she was in, and then yeah. actually actually being uh, Agatha, being a witch, the way she she laughed like a witch, she acted like a witch. Um, yeah, the laughing got a little annoying after a while. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but I've I've been a Catherine Hahn, I've been a fan of hers ever since she was on uh, Crossing Jordan, which is probably the most normal character that she's ever played. <laughs> I've been a fan of Catherine Hahn since Step Brothers. I thought she was great in that. Yeah, movie. she was great in Step Brothers, and she's got her own she, show you know, now. She she and she was on Showtime a couple of years ago. She had a a series. She did a season of a series called Mrs. Fletcher. That's uh, pretty good. It was just like a six episode limited series, and I liked her in that too. You know who she reminded me of was like a a, a more unhinged Kai Win. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, if they ever do the the Kai Win origin story, she can play her younger version. <laughs> oh, speaking of origin story, th- this was something else that confused me about this show. Was Wanda's origin something that was a question? We'd never Where seen. Where she it. got her powers from? We had never Did seen it. Matter? It. No, well, it, it wasn't a question because they had it. They had ostensibly explained where her powers came from. This series uh, told us that um, that we were mistaken. Uh, the, the Captain America movies showed us that uh, exposure to the Mind Stone gave her um, her you know red magic powers and gave Pietro his speed powers. But okay. the the penultimate episode of WandaVision indicated that the Mind Stone only um, uh, amplified and accelerated powers that already existed within her. And that was uh, hitherto unknown to us. Okay, yeah. then again, as I, as I have said other times, in response to people giving me shit about Star Trek movies for the last four years, uh, <laughs> that question was not made evident to me as an outsider. I think they also... Go ahead. Well, just because I didn't care where her powers came from. It never crossed my mind to want to know where they came from. And so when they started going down that route, I was bored. 
because it was utterly irrelevant to me. She has powers. She's She's got magic. That's fine. Let's go. Well, I think they also did it because they wanted to remind everyone that her powers are attached to the Mind Stone because it's going to make it uh, make more sense as to how she was able to bring Vision back. Because the Vision... The vision that we saw in one division is not the original vision, but it essentially is vision because it's the version of vision that lives in her heart and she was able to bring it to life because she has mindstone powers in her. And mindstone is where vision comes from. A midget, a midget, <laughs> vision was, was Jarvis and Ultron with the mindstone. Without the Mindstone, Vision didn't didn't would it, not have happened. It was it was Jarvis and Ultron and Tony Stark and Bruce Banner and some you know straight up uh, software programming plus um, uh, some lightning from Thor plus the Mindstone. It was a whole bunch of different uh, uh, aspects and properties that all came together to form what was Vision. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Keeping track of all of that stuff is liter- uh, uh, virtually. Well, that's impossible. why I think. I, that's why I think they. I'm, they. I think that's why, the they, why they did that here. They showed you that here so that they could just give you a condensed version. You you get the gist of this is how this vision came to be. This version of vision came to be because of this. Without going back and making you watch three movies to 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 figure it all out. Yeah, and and that list of everything that I gave, it's it's a slightly modified version of exactly what uh, Bruce Banner says when he is describing what is Vision in uh, Infinity War, mm-hmm. when they're about to start their plan to separate Vision from the Mind Stone so he can exist without the without the stone. That's when he says he's Jarvis and Ultron and and Tony and me and this and that. In that movie, they laid out that Vision is a multi-layered thing. So they can continue to play off that in, in this series. Carlos says, uh, funny, funny she's called Scarlet Witch and has tra- the traditional headdress. Joss Whedon said he didn't do it because it would be stupid. <laughs> I do like uh, that. Mr. Whedon is not exactly in vogue right now. <laughs> I like that the, uh, the name, uh, Scarlet Witch is now canon within the, within the MCU. They can finally start calling her that now. Uh, yeah. I have a little bit of trivia. I've got the trivia page pulled up. I'm not going to read all of these, but I did want to mention some of them. I really hope. I don't know if there will be a season two of this show. They haven't said that there will be. They've kind of hinted that it's just going to be a one and done kind of thing. Yeah, season two wouldn't really make any sense. If they don't, I hope they find a way to bring Jimmy Woo and Darcy back. Because I like those characters in this show. I'd be fine, like I said in another show, I'd be fine with putting them together and doing like an MCU X-Files thing. Where it's just there's been a There's been a lot of fan talk about that and you know two years ago i would have said that doesn't really amount to anything but then we have a a christopher pike series coming down yeah (laughs) maybe i I, I don't know i'd be okay with them being like a a supporting character duo that pops up every now and again uh you know they can pop up in ant-man and the wasp uh quantumania or they can 
they can show up. Is that really the name of the next movie for them? Quantumania? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, The the, the pair can show up in another season of WandaVision if they're going to do that. Um, You know, have them pop up for an episode of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki and, and just... The two of them can pair up and and do fun things for like an episode or two, and then just float right out of the story. Um, if if anyone tries to headline an entire series with Agent Wu and Darcy, I'm not watching. <laughs> see, I, is... I would I would watch the shit out of. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, Randall Park has been showing up in a lot of stuff lately. He's um... was it wasn't he an Aquaman? Was he an Who's Aquaman? That? The guy that I played th- Wu and oh, okay. I yeah. thought he was. He may have been, but I know sure. recently, more recently, he's in the new series uh, Young Rock with The Rock, um, <laughs> which is you know, I laughed when I heard they were doing it, but I've watched three episodes now, and that's actually a pretty good show. I, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's, if you like, if you watched wrestling when you were a kid, you'll like it because they've got. They got a lot of the old wrestlers. They, they've got characters. They, I mean, Junkyard Dog and Andre the Giant are like regular characters on the show and stuff. Wait, um, what? Yeah. Yeah, because... Andre the Giant is a little dead, isn't he? Well, it's not him playing him. It's, he's a character on the show. Oh, oh. It's about The Rock oh. when he was little, when he was when he was a kid. Oh. The whole gist of the show is that The Rock is, is 2031. The Rock is running for president. And Randall Park is a uh, host of a TV show of like a news, a CNN type show, and he's interviewing The Rock, and The Rock is telling him all these stories of stuff that happened to him when he was a kid, and when he was in college, and when he was in high school, and so every episode is like in a different period of his life and stuff. So. Uh, okay. And it's it's pretty good. I like it. Anyway, back to One Division. So. Uh, in order to preserve the authenticity of the 50s era sitcom uh, that vibes that the show was trying to capture, Bettany was painted blue for the scenes that were shot in black and white rather than maroon because blue looks better in grayscale. And to keep that classic sitcom feel, they brought in Dick Van Dyke as a consultant. Um, and those episodes were filmed in front of a live studio audience, which... Um, Elizabeth Olsen said was the most terrifying thing of the whole of the whole ordeal <laughs> was having to film in front of a live audience. You know, I I love her work, but every time I hear some story about the next thing that bugged the crap out of her when she was doing her job, I'm like, why are you in this business? Because obviously, it makes you incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, the house that Dottie lives in is the Murtaugh house from Lethal Weapon from the, that franchise. And Wanda's nice. Wanda's house is the same house that was used in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Holy backlot, Batman. Yeah, I didn't realize that. <laughs> um, Matt uh, Shockman cites the alternate reality films of The Truman Show and Pleasantville as influence on the show. He was one of the, I guess he was one of the people that design the the town and stuff like that so that 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 that's pretty clear <laughs> yeah in episode two when wanda walks from the kitchen to the living room she walks by the stairs for just a second you can see a faded mural on the wall you can see the building uh, slash castle on a hill 
that Strucker was using in Sokovia when the Avengers stormed it when we first met the Maximoff twins. There's a lot of details like that that, that you'll that you'll find in the show. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this age when you can like freeze frame individual frames of stuff is not always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, we covered that part already. <laughs> uh, one thing I did like was the 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 Halloween episode, uh, the costumes that they wore were their comic book versions of their costumes. Yeah. You know, even Quicksilver, he had the he had that hair, you know, and uh, and the the lightning bolt going up up the chest up to the to yeah. the shoulder. Even it, it, I, who did not read the comics, got that. Yeah, a very, <laughs> a very plain looking costume. I always felt when I saw Quicksilver in the comics. I said, "Your costume is lame." <laughs> uh, Go to okay. school with Professor with Professor Flash and learn how to do a good speedster costume. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, SWORD stands for Sentient Weapon Observation and Response Department. In the comics, it meant it was something else. It was Sentient World Observation and Response Department. The change refers to observing Wanda and the Vision, who are sentient weapons. This says Catherine Hahn was also in uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, that's right. She was the voice of Liv. Female Dr. Octopus. Yeah. She was the voice of Liv in that movie, so that was that's that's a pretty good Oh really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, My daughter loves that movie, so I've seen it like fifteen times. And it's, you know, eight hours long, so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it is a, for an animated film it, it is. It's not a short movie. <laughs> Wanda's voice saying previously on WandaVision at the beginning of each episode gets progressively less cheerful every time. I didn't notice that, but Something to okay. go back and uh, check out. I didn't notice the difference, but I did notice in in the finale. I was like, "Yeah, that doesn't sound very happy." Yeah, previously on one of the vision. <laughs> in the comics, Monica Rambeau is an Avenger with light based powers who has gone by the aliases of Captain Marvel, Pulsar, Photon, and Spectrum. I doubt they'll call her Spectrum because I think there's the the cable company will probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they no. probably wouldn't like that too much. I they'll, don't think they own that word. <laughs> they'll, they'll probably go with with photon. That's just a guess. It's just what it sounds cooler. Yeah, it, it's what sounds like it would fit. Um, I do it to say. But speaking of Monica, I I liked whoever the costume designer was for the show when they put together her sword jumpsuit that she wore when she was getting ready to go through the the field in that in that rover. Um. And then when she takes off all the extra stuff and we see that it's the, the black shoulders on, on the gray bodysuit and how close that is to her uh, superhero outfit from the comics, mm. super clever. They did a great job. Also, um, the, the, the credit scene when she goes into the theater, uh, when a theater is not open, they don't have images on the screen. Yeah, they don't run the projector for an empty house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just something that you give me crap about nitpicking. (laughs) (laughs) It it was my first thought when she walked in there and said, who are they playing the movie for? Yeah, really? (laughs) We did not uh, make mention of the fact that uh, they introduced the con in the penultimate episode. And then into the finale, they introduced the concept of the dark hold, which played, uh, played a major role in what they did that's the book oh also known as the book of the damned 
Yeah, the book, of, the book of the damned. It, it, it's its name is the dark hold. Ah, okay. and the dark hold, not the dark hole, right? <laughs> right, dark hold. Yeah, yeah. The dark I, hole is something else. <laughs> I might not be. I might not be hitting that D hard enough. Was it, was it um, written by the mad mad Arab Abdul Al has read? <laughs> um, but I, the 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 dark hold was, uh, I think, a half season or perhaps a full season. Uh, uh, plot device on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. I'll be honest, I watched the first two seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I didn't stop watching it because it wasn't good. I stopped watching it just because it's one of those shows that fell off my radar and and uh, I missed a season of it and I just I didn't want to go back and and rewatch. I couldn't go back and catch up because it's it's another one of those shows that there's like every season is like 20 episodes instead yeah. of being, you know, if it was just like 10 episode seasons or something, I might have been able to catch up, but that's a lot of TV to try and catch we, up We on. watched the hell out of that show for the first three seasons, and then uh, after, you know, it, and it was it, when uh, I, I don't, God, I don't remember which Captain America movie, when Hydra revealed itself and Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier. It, yeah. Winter Soldier. Uh, and then Agents of Shield went along that line. I was like, "This is great!" Uh, and then, no, the and that was in, season, in the that was in the first season. First season was it that early? Okay. Yep. Um, and then it was in season four, and I remember the day it happened. I was in. Uh, I don't remember what what town I, I was. I was out of town for the United States Institute of Theater Technology conference. And you know, my wife and I were watching Agents of Shield together, but I was out of town. And they they went back to what what was her name? Sky Summer Sky um, Sky. Uh, Cl- Sky Chloe Bennett. Yeah, w- whatever. They, they originally um, called her Sky, but then um, th- then she became Daisy. Okay, I didn't get that far. I I you know she's certainly attractive. Uh as every woman on TV for the most part is. Um, but I found her character to be utterly uninteresting and, and uncompelling. And I was so glad when they drifted away from her being the focus of the show. <laughs> and then after the whole Hydra stuff, then they went back to her and then she became a monster or something. And they were in this big round con, you know, stone room and people had spikes growing out of them or shit. Some shit. That's the last episode I watched. Uh, cause I remember watching it in my hotel room and I, I, I was like four episodes behind at that point. And I just, I just never went back. It, it wasn't a rage quit. It wasn't a, this sucks. It was just, I lost interest and stopped watching. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it, they started as the seasons went on, they had to reach farther and farther to, to find the stories they wanted to tell. And it got a little more fantastical with each passing season. Uh, then they start, Introducing the concept of Inhumans on that series, mm. and that's where the one and only season, eight episodes long of the Inhumans, 
that was uh, came into play. Awful. With uh, <laughs> with Christopher Pike as uh, Black Bolt, the King of the Inhumans, hmm. uh, which was interesting. And just like two weeks ago, I started uh, attempt number two at watching that. I got, I think I got through two episodes last time I tried watching the Inhumans. I think this time I'm. It, it was eight episodes, and I think. I'm at episode six or seven. I'd rather go watch the toilet flush than watch that show. <laughs> then, then I had I had to move, so I had to put that rewatch on hold. But I'm going to get through that season just so I can say that I watched it, and and say that I watched an entire eight episode season of a show where Anson Mount doesn't say a goddamn thing. Yeah, yeah. And then the, you got the 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 one interesting aspect is the. I, I don't know any of their names, but the the woman that had the hair that could reach out and hit stuff and pick stuff up and all that, and then Medusa. they shaved her head in the first episode so that they didn't have to spend money on animating that hair all season. <laughs> that was actually from the comics. Yeah, but you know I mean, because <laughs> I I I know which uh, uh, which graphic novel and which uh, comic miniseries they were cribbing from when they when they put together a lot of this season, none of it took place on earth at all. Well, maybe some of it took place on earth, but it primarily took place, uh, in Adelan, the inhuman city. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, all, all the characters, all the characterizations, the, uh, the coup attempt by, uh, Maximus, the brother of the King, all of that was from the uh, the miniseries by um, I think Jay Lee and uh, Jenkins. I can't remember the, the the name of the writer on that one. Leroy. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, they pulled a lot of stuff from that, including uh, Maximus uh, taking over Adelan and shaving Medusa's head uh, as a way to subjugate her. Um, now, yes, it also it conveniently saves them some money, yeah. <laughs> so they don't have to animate the hair. Uh, but it, it was a plot element that they that they took from the source material, and not just a cheap uh, cop out. All right, I think that'll pretty much do it for this episode. Um, <laughs> Rick, thanks uh, thanks for joining us. I know it was a busy busy day for you. Thanks for being here. Thank thank you for for putting up with my over exhausted. Uh, complain i just folks i didn't hate this show <laughs> i liked it i don't regret watching it uh but y'all expect me to bitch about it so <laughs> um it was it was fine it was fine i it, it i you know once we got past the part that i really did not enjoy uh i liked the show i just you know i had bit, i had nitpicks but you know that's because I'm a podcaster and I'm supposed to find shit to talk about. So, and I think that in uh, in two weeks when uh, the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier starts, I think it's going to be more of a straightforward just action fun. show, and I think you'll probably enjoy it a lot more. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I enjoyed yeah. the trailers, um, and and you know, please, I really appreciated the the out of left field nature of this show. Of of uh, Wandavision, um, you know, I will forgive a lot for originality, and this show did that in spades. Uh, it just, you know, I, I, what didn't work didn't work for me, and I, you know, I've said 
probably more than I should <laughs> about it. But, uh, you know, I don't feel like I wasted the last nine weeks. I don't feel like it was, it was an ordeal. Uh, I wish I had been more connected with some of the, the, what was going on. But to be quite honest, I'm not particularly upset that the obliteration of Wanda's family didn't tear my heart out. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those people that enjoys being made sad by stuff. I know that there are folks that, that dig that and that's groovy. I, I don't understand it, but I, 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 I don't fault anyone for that. Uh, I'm actually still a little puzzled that it didn't hit me as hard as it obviously hit other folks. Um, and that's not a fault on the, on the, the makers, not a fault on, on folks that enjoyed it or felt anything for it. I'm quite puzzled to be honest about it. Uh, but it was, it was a good show. It was a well done show. It just, you know, wasn't really all that hard hitting for me, but that doesn't mean squat. So there's one thing that I, that I said to my wife when it was over, I was like, when we see Wanda again, she's going to be even darker because now she's had to lose vision three times. And she's lost children. <laughs> so whatever grief caused her to create the hex in the first place is going to be multiplied. I but, think, you know what, I, now that you, you put, now that you said that, I think the reason it didn't really hit me is that the children, and this was probably on purpose, because you don't kill kids on TV without some sort of mitigating factor because the children came literally came out of nowhere mm -hmm. and then went from babies to toddlers to children, you know, in like what, two episodes, one episode, they were born in one episode and then they, they were 10 years old by the end of the next episode that we saw. Yeah. Them, yeah. So there, there was no getting to know them. There was no real sense of attachment and when both she and Vision went, oh, guess we got to get rid of these guys. Uh, <laughs> there, was, there was a little bit of regret, but it really wasn't that pronounced. Like I said, I mean, they, they say that they that they were killed. They weren't really killed. They were just they just don't exist. Well, they they didn't exist in the first place. Yeah. So. But like I said, the, the fact that she heard those voices uh, when she was detached from her body in that extra credit scene tells me that there was, I can't call it a, like I said before, I can't call it a soul because I don't know, but there was, there's something more to them than just being holodeck characters. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, you know, I, I didn't see that. So I need, yeah. I need to see it and maybe that will just <laughs> ruin me. Sorry. <laughs> I've been good. I've been good all night. I'm sorry. I'm exhausted. <laughs> All right, Scott. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Oh, it was it, it was a pleasure. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, Disney and Marvel will not try to be so. Uh, I don't know if avant garde is the right way to describe it, but those first three episodes uh, in presenting the old style sitcom aesthetic 
after the episodes, I could look back on it and reflect on how clever it was. The trouble is, at least for us, I don't know how the, how it was for you know those twenty five and under watching this series. Mm-hmm. But I know that for guys like us, watching those first couple episodes was probably tougher than it was for most people because we remember those shows. We saw those shows a lot. So to see them presented looking that way, sounding that way, it automatically, without us even realizing it, puts us into the headspace of watching those original sitcoms, puts you into the headspace of what to expect when you're watching Dick Van Dyke, when you're watching I Love Lucy. So you're not watching for MCU and Avengers plot lines and Wanda and Vision aspects coming at you with story elements that you need to catch in order to understand the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. You're watching it as an old school sitcom. So if they say something that is relevant to the plot later in that episode or three episodes down the road, you don't catch it because your mind is interpreting it as, Oh, that's a 1950s joke with the laugh, with the laugh track and everything. That's what made it tough for me. And I, I wondered if that's what made it tough for Rick is that just by sheer reflex, without us even realizing it was happening, we flip back into old sitcom mode. And we weren't watching an episode of WandaVision. We were watching an episode of WandaVision. Yeah. That's what made it tough. So I'm up for them trying new things like this again. But it's not always easy. Yeah. 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 And if they try to do it again, then yes, I will come back on and try my best to talk my way through it and use way too many words. Like <laughs> they, filmed, they filmed the first episode and then the, they had to shut down because of the pandemic. And then it was months before they came back and filmed the rest of the series. So, um, like, you know, like, like I said at the time, if it had been a let, a, a less, a lot less, I wouldn't have been as, as disturbed by it. Um, but three whole episodes of almost undiluted 50s, 60s, 70s sitcom was a bit much for me. <laughs> um, we've got a lot of things planned for the show coming up. We're going to be taking deep dives. Uh, we're I'm trying some different things for the show now that we've changed the title of the show and it's a new year and all that. We're going to be taking deep dives into various fandoms, genres, even sub-genres over the coming months. So uh, we'll be back in two weeks. We're going to explore the Land of Oz, and we're going to talk about all the different versions of the classic L. Frank Baum stories in various media. Uh, so we've got that to, to look forward to in a couple weeks. So thank you all for joining us for this episode. Make sure you join us next time on that Super Fan Talk podcast when you might hear Scott say... You know, last night I had a vision, with some precision, that I made the decision to watch WandaVision on television, but was stricken with double vision, like when I played too many games by Activision and performed a lot of long division, and soon I had to decide if double vision WandaVision should be known as Wanda WandaVision Vision or WandaVision WandaVision, a title division that caused a lot of derision, but honestly, it's not a comparison that I'm missing. As the after credits scene, I will read what... Because John sent me something while we were doing the show. After credit? Yeah, I'll do the after credit scene. (laughs) Uh, 
you might hear John say, why don't you ever hear about low fructose corn syrup? (laughs) (laughs) They call it asphalt. Yeah. (laughs) They just call that corn syrup. (laughs) 